God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the sun um, shining. Uh, it feels like it's been winter in Indiana forever. So, Lord, I'm just thankful for, um, man, what, what cool timing as we come into this holy week, God, uh, of freshness of the spring. And um, I'm just, we're thankful. God, I pray for everyone in this room, the people that are here that don't want to be, but their faith shows in that they drag themselves here. I pray that you would reward that. I pray their hearts would be open. I pray for the angry. I pray for the hurting. I pray for the broken, the distracted. God, I pray that they would come to see you and know you as the living God. And, uh, man, expect you to move in their lives. Lord, help me to preach your word and only your word, and that I wouldn't get in the way. And I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. Hey, good to see you guys. Welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. Again, that's the last time you'll hear it. And welcome. And uh, so today is, you know, this week is... Is that Holy Week, right? What is today? Anyone know? Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Yeah, Palm Sunday. <clears throat> when, I, uh, when I first became a Christian, they, it doesn't come with a manual explaining what all of these like, terms mean. So I understood Easter and Palm Sunday and Holy Week and all these other things. I, I didn't really didn't get it, you know. Um, and even to this day, I think if you showed up today expecting a a Palm Sunday message, probably just stumbled in the wrong place, um, I don't know why, why I'm like that, but yeah, Palm Sunday, what is Palm Sunday, well, it is the Sunday that we use to celebrate when Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, right, triumphant entry, um, where the king came to Jerusalem, and <clears throat> his people had an expectation that the king was coming with, with his kingdom, in power and authority, and though he did, he didn't come the way that they expected or the way we expected, and he still doesn't. Um, you know, he came in humbly. Got him all cracked. <laughs> uh, I'm a squirrel, guys. I, I get distracted by every single thing. <clears throat> There's this really cool moment on Palm Sunday, though. I want to I want to dive into right away because I want to. Before I get into that, I guess how many of you feel right feel. Don't lie to me just because you think the pastor wants you to say this. How many of you feel like it's holy? Holy week, holy day. Huh? How many of you honestly, if you're honest, you just rolled into Sunday and almost kind of forgot it was even Palm Sunday, right? Thanks. Way to be honest. And then, okay, and then those of you that kept your hand down, how many of you took a moment to, you know, venerate this holy day? That's better. Thank you. Yeah, right? <clears throat> we have a tendency... I think part of the reason that Easter, and the whole week, right, it becomes a day that we dress in nice clothes, we invite friends. Some of you are only here because it's Easter week, which, praise God, right? And you're, well, you're willing to come because you've probably been annoyed by your family, like, all, all year. And so it's like, I might as well go this week, and then you don't have to again, maybe until next year. <clears throat> and then the believers in the room, thank you for being honest, um, many of us forget. And then those that didn't. <clears throat> what does it mean for something to be holy? What does it mean for something to, to, to be a week that we're supposed to acknowledge and it's supposed to mean something? I think part of the reason that Easter loses its meaning is because we don't accept the ugly truth. Now, again, before I start, I have to say this to all of you. Every time I preach, every time, I got people who already think they know what I'm about to say. And praise God, some of you probably do. Do me a favor. Just keep it to yourself. 
okay? <clears throat> but the reason that we can't accept, because here's the thing, in order for Easter next week, in order for this entire week to mean something, you have to start with how ugly the truth really is. It is ugly. Without understanding the ugly, we can't appreciate the beauty of Easter or even truly fathom or appreciate what Jesus did for all of us. And that's why we might have this great service this week, maybe, I hope, next week. And then all of a sudden, before we know it, it's Christmas and then it's Easter again and it becomes this thing that we just do. I had this interesting thing when I, uh, I, I stumbled across this interesting moment while I was preparing for the, this this week. And... One of my favorite parts about when Jesus is returning, and I'm not even going to be able to tell you where it's at because I was looking for this because I wanted to read it again. There's a moment when Jesus comes up and he looks down over Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, how I've longed to gather you under my arms, right, as chicks to a hen, right, a hen to chicks. I want to pull you, this idea of I want to protect you. And he says, but you were not willing. And I love it because, one, it gives us a choice because I reject the idea that God doesn't give us all a choice, that he just says, yeah, some are destined for hell and some aren't, right? And if you, you believe that based on a certain section in Romans, for instance, I, my, we're still on the same team, but my conclusion would be you may be taking that out of context. It's just my, my thought, okay? We can still be on the same team. But, before, but then I stumbled on this. If you have your Bibles, turn to, I'm not going to tell you yet because you're going to read ahead. So as Jesus is getting ready to head to Jerusalem and he goes through Jericho, a couple of crazy things happen right before the triumphant entry. And I think it tells us a lot about Jesus. One, the, he pulls the disciples aside, and he tells them again very plainly what's about to happen. We're going to go to Jerusalem. The high priest, the chief priest, the people are going to take me. They're going to hit me, and they're going to kill me. Why did he do that? I think we have a tendency sometimes to say, because he's Jesus, he was going, I shall come into Jerusalem, and they shall sacrifice the Lamb of God. What's another possibility? He was scared. Does that mess with you? Because if so, then you aren't reading the Garden of Gethsemane. He was scared. And I don't know if you've ever been headed into a stressful situation. I'm a talker. I'm a verbal processor, which is annoying to those close to me. But I will talk about the same thing over and over again as it gets closer. Right? i got to process it. And it's weird. Like, if I step outside of it, it's really weird. I'm just saying the same thing. And I'm, like, hoping someone will tell me something a little, something different. I think he was doing that. It doesn't tell us that the disciples said anything. I'm sure they said something, probably like, uh-huh, neat, Jesus. Because remember, Peter had already told him, that's never going to happen to you. That's when he called him Satan. I think like any friend, they just said, yeah, I hear you. Hey, you ready to go do some more miracles? After this, we've got this scene. Now, we get a little bit more info in different gospels, but the sons of Zebedee, right, the sons of thunder. You ever watch The Chosen? That's a great, I like how they, they talk about the sons of thunder. These loudmouth guys, maybe that's where I relate to them. And he... They come up to and they send their mother. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So they're discussing it and their mother's falling and they send their mother and the mother goes up to Jesus. I don't think she did this on her. She goes, hello. Jesus, I would like my sons to stand, to sit on your right and left when your kingdom comes. Because they're getting ready. Like I'm assuming they're thinking in Jerusalem, right? The kingdom's about to happen. Let my two sons. You ever think about that? How pretentious, how, you know. Oh my goodness. However, I view it as like, how cool of a relationship must he have had with his disciples? Half of you don't even want to ask your boss for a raise because you're nervous, let alone going and asking, can we sit on your right and left? And Jesus tells them, hey, that's not for me to decide. And then he gives the prophecy of what's going to happen. You will drink from the cup I'm going to drink, right? But it's not for me to decide. Why am I telling you that? It's, 
Because even in the midst of this, this, they're real with him. He's real with them, and they're real with him. Right? That, that request is a real request, isn't it? Yeah. And then right after this, this is boom, 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 rapid fire. We're told this, Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. <clears throat> Matthew 20, verses 29 through 34. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There were two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd told them to keep quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus stopped, called them, and said, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> Lord, they said to him, open our eyes. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they could see, and they followed him. On his way to this important, there's a ton we could talk about, and I'm sure you know, and there's a lot about the heart of Jesus here. He stopped right, on his way to do the important things. I get so convicted by this so many times. How many times have I walked by someone in need because I had important things to do? I don't know. That's not the point today. The crowd was following him. He's getting ready to do his big entry. And these two blind men are sitting by the road. Now, if you know, wake up. I'll get them down there and start chucking chairs. Let's go. This is important. Stay, I'm not looking at anyone specifically. I was like, who's in trouble? No one. I'm looking at everyone. Wake up. All right. <clears throat> I was asked this week, Todd, do you get angry because you, exp you like, feel like it's your responsibility to get people to, to know this? I don't get angry. I'm very passionate. I'm very passionate for you to understand the gospel and be free. And I hate the fact that we choose to live in chains. That we take freedom for granted. That we've created another priesthood, another pharisaical priesthood. <clears throat> it's important. As they're leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed on their two blind men. Now remember if, I, if, you've been, if you know anything about the culture this time, or if you know, even in the Gospels it mentions this. What did they tend to think if someone was blind, whether born from birth or it happened, what was the cause? Sin. Sin. And everybody would have looked at them and was like, look at those guys. Man, what sin did they or their parents commit that they'd be cursed by God like that? They had it wrong. They're the not good people. They're the sinners. They're the ones with mistakes. And it says, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd told them to keep quiet. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Do you think they cared what the crowd thought in that moment? Yes or no? You guys talk when you don't want to. Do you think the crowd, they cared what the crowd thought? No. Y'all yell when I'm like in the middle of something. And it's like I ask and you go, see, you'll yell anytime. Just not when I ask. Anyway. <clears throat> no, they didn't care. Did they care that they're going to be viewed as sinners? Did they care that, that he has more important things to do? They didn't care. See, some of you and some of us in this room would have been content to stay blind and try to follow him blind rather than admit we can't see. Jesus stopped, called them, and said. He didn't get mad. He didn't say. He didn't even address their sin, did he? You notice that? Any of their sin. Did he care about their sin? Yes, he did. Okay, the answer is yes. You're like, no, I'm tricking you. He cared. Of course he cared about their sin. He was about to go die for it. Why do so many times in church you want to make it one or the other? 
You want to make it depending on how you feel. And one minute sin's too big. Oh, my goodness, we got to focus on sin. And the next minute, oh, we have grace. You can't decide. Jesus stopped, called them, and said, this is so interesting. He knew, what do you want me to do for you? I put myself here again in some of you. I don't know. I mean, I just have some needs. You know, anything you do for me would be good enough. Right? When someone asks you, how do you want to coke? Not really. You've got an extra one. But don't put yourself out. You know what that is a lot of times? That's pride. And I think he was, well, let's see. Do you really want this? You've already had to call out. The whole crowd stopped and looked at you. Right? The master went over and talked to him. So everybody's looking. And some of you would be so mad. I can't believe you're going to make me ask. How dare you? Never mind. What do you want me to do for you, Lord? They said, open our eyes. There was no discussion about how they got there. There was no discussion about how hard life had been. There was no discussion about their mistakes. All they did and all they wanted was to go to Jesus and have him meet their need. They believed he had the ability, but even more so as they believed he wanted to, that he'd be willing to, right? I don't call Jeff Bezos and ask for a million dollars. Does he have, could he give me a million dollars? Why don't I call him and ask him? Because he ain't going to give me, he don't know me. He has no desire to give me a million dollars. Someone can have the power, but the willingness matters. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they could see. I want to jump to a different section. Stay that. You're like, Todd, what does that mean? What does it have to do with anything? I'll tell you. Turn with me. It's a different section. And I've talked about this many times. But the Gospel of John chapter 9, verses 39 through 41. When you got to say, I got it. Gonna throw a podium today. I'm telling you, it's a podium throwing day. Y'all got me excited thinking you had energy when I was like, How you doing? Amen. And then I look out and you go, That is not my job to entertain you. Okay? It is your job to be awake and learn from the Word of God. Yeah? Gonna get an amen? Yeah? Yeah, see? Nothing, Greg. I hear you. Amen, Luke. Give me something, big brother. All right. Yeah, there you go. Man, all right, listen, John chapter 9, verses 39 through 41. Once again, this section, how interesting is this? Put it down, you tricksters. All right, I got to set up context. You know that. Listen, here's the context. We're, ta- we're talking about a black, you did it again. I didn't even ask for it, now you're yelling. All right? <clears throat> In the context, we're dealing with a blind man again. So here we are again with blind, and Jesus goes, and I love this story. I've talked about it last year. I'll probably talk about it every year. It's just great. All right, and this guy, even though we don't know his name, I find him so fascinating, right? Because once he gets healed, he's like, hey, I don't care, right? This is the whole infamous, like, oh, do you think he is too? He goes, listen, all I know is I was blind, and now I can see. So after all this is happening, the man finds him again, and he's like, I I found you, and these people kicked me out of the temple, and he goes, and Jesus says, who do you think I am? And he tells him, right, I think you are the Messiah, the Christ, All of a sudden, the Pharisees are here, the religious. That's none of us, though. We are always with Jesus, aren't we? Man, we are standing with him, pointing to those Pharisees. And the fact we think that makes us a Pharisee. Listen, Jesus said, I come into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. Hmm. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked, him we aren't blind too are we if you were blind jesus told them you wouldn't have sin but now that you say we see your sin remains 
And you're not talking about blindness anymore, at least not physical. So we have, in the context, two people that have nothing. They don't know Jesus. They don't know God, right? I mean, they know of God, but they're sinners. And they call out to God and say, help me, please. And then you have these religious elite, these Christians, these pastors, these people that know the truth, right? Because you know it all, right, guys? And in the midst of this, they can't admit their blindness. Their knowledge, and their, did they know about the stories of God? Yes or no? See, now you go. They'll, you'll scream all day long if I don't ask. Do they know? Of course they do. They knew the stories. They know that God moves. They know the expectation of God. Don't let anyone fool you that the Pharisees didn't know. And yet they were blind. They were unwilling to admit it. There seems to be this strange kind of correlation here, right? The more outside religion someone was, the more willing they were to admit their need. And the deeper they were in, the less willing they were to admit their need, their failings, their flaws. People say, Todd, why are you so mean to Christians? I'm not mean to you. I'm frustrated for two reasons. We don't realize the gospel of our lives and the way we live it is preaching to the world. And secondly, because you're not living free. We aren't living free. Stay with me. I'll connect it. Do you see the parallel between the Pharisees and the two blind men? Do you see the parallel? I mean, I could put it, maybe if I put it up here for you guys to see, right? And I didn't do that. That would have been cool, right? The Pharisees. Who's more wealthy, you think? The two guys living out on the side of the road are the Pharisees. Pharisees, we know that, right? Which one were smarter by the world standards? The Pharisees or the two blind men on the road? Probably the Pharisees. Who knew God more? Who knew God? Who knew the Bible? Who knew scriptures? Who was in Sunday school? Who won Bible quizzing? Probably the Pharisees. There you go again. <laughs> I like it. Is it. Right? You see the parallels? Do you see what I'm saying? Your knowledge can blind you. I hope you say that at the end. See, the Pharisees couldn't accept the ugly truth. Their religion, their knowledge, their sacrifices, their status, the fact that every, their people thought they were holy and good. They couldn't accept the fact that that made them able to see, right? It made them just as blind as the two men on the side of the road. So what stopped? What stopped them? What stopped them? Even in the face of seeing Jesus' miracles, they just said he's doing it by the devil. I'm not saying that's what some of you out here say, that we say. But what's your excuse? What's your excuse for hiding behind your religion? What's your excuse for saying you can see all the time, right? You just know everything. You know, Jesus tells them in the, in the woe to you Pharisees, he says, you make your tassels long and your robes big and your phylacteries huge so everybody can see you. So you look holy. What's that look like in Christianity? <laughs> yeah. You don't have to say anything else until I say Yes, but it is hypocrisy. That's good. That's not even what I mean. I don't think, here's the thing. Do you think, do I believe that Christian, good Christian in the room, are you intending to be hypocrites? Are you intending to be blind? Are you intending to be pharisaical? Probably not. 
You want to know something scary? Did the Pharisees? Did the Pharisees actually believe they weren't following God? Of course they thought they were. Were there probably some that didn't? Sure, but the majority of them probably believed they were doing what they were supposed to do. Let me ask you, how long are you making your phylacteries? Or how big? How long are your tassels? Does it hide the sin? Does it hide the ugly truth? You should know now, right? You've been following long enough. I'm a disciple. These messages are for those who are lost. My job is to sit and judge sermons. My job is to see how much the word of God is being preached. It's not funny though, is it? Because that's what happens. At what point do you think we stop being blind men on the side of the road and we become Pharisees? One year, two years, three years, ten years after being a Christian? Not every long-term Christian is that way. There's a lot here, and, and I'll, I'll tie it at the end. But I want you to keep this parallel in mind. You want to know why Easter is just a day to you? Because you can't face the ugly truth. Right? Because no one in this room can look at you and see every sin you committed this week. Because you're viewed as a good person. Because you don't have any outward needs. You must be doing it right and everything's great. Which means, yeah, I'm going to give thanks to Jesus, but I don't really need him anymore because he already healed me on the side of the road. Now I'm just chilling and following him. And then there's some of you in the room that just keep following blind until you get distracted by something else, right? Something shiny on the side of the road. I'll talk to you at the end. Much of the reason... We hide how ugly we are. We hide our needs. We hide our sins. We hide our mistakes. We wonder why our marriages don't get better. Why would they? You're in an echo chamber. You sit inside of it and you act. You won't even tell God, let alone talk to people about it. You ignore the commands of the Bible because what? That's just not what you do in church. You choose to disobey in one out of ten areas. Well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, submit. I'm not going to love. I'm not going to confess sin because I don't have to. I look the part, so he must be pleased. I've been following, so I must know. Here's the ugly truth. That when he heals our blindness, our spiritual blindness, right? That's what Pharisees talking about. When he saves us, that's not the end. Much of the reason that we struggle with the same issues over and over, no matter how large or small, right? Oh, you've been battling that porn addiction for years, but you're battling. Sometimes you can go two weeks. Why is it, is God a liar? Well, I don't look at pornography. I just want to imagine. But you can't tell anyone, right? You can't even tell God. You will the first time, maybe the second time. But you can't go to him again, right? You've already done it ten times. You don't tell people you're disrespectful to your husband. You don't tell people you're cruel to your wife. You don't tell people that you're hateful. You don't tell people that you're bitter. You don't tell people anything, right? Because you have it all together. If I was a member of this church and I haven't heard a struggle at any time, right? It's not that I'm glorifying bad lives. I want you to be bled and all that, right? But if I haven't heard it one time, I don't trust you. Because you're just showing me tassels. We... Much of the reason we struggle with the same issues over and over, no matter how large or small, stems from one simple fact that we don't admit it to ourselves, which in turn prevents us from admitting it to God. You ready? Some of you all, some of you all, some, some of you, 
have terrible marriages. I love it because some of you in the room is like, that's not me. I'll get you in a second. You have a terrible marriage. Listen, you have a terrible marriage. It is not glorifying to God. It is disgusting and ugly, and God is not pleased with it. That's the ugly truth. God, that's not hopeful. That comes later. You want the healing? you got to admit there's a problem. We continually hide our true selves to everyone around us because we're afraid to be found out. You want to know why this religion is a weight to you? Why it's miserable? Why you'll come to church but you don't feel alive? Why you struggle? All these types of things. Quit blaming everybody else. For many of you in the room, it's because you don't live like it's real. You spend more time hiding than healing. What do you think happens when someone keeps a secret for long enough? Look it up. Look at psychology. If you don't believe the Bible, it eats you alive. I can't tell how many times I'll, someone will come and talk to me and be like, have you even, have you, have you, you know, the few times they'll admit maybe to me, but it's never ugly, right? It's, it's never. It's, well, this, I always get the excuse before the issue. And I look at the two blind men. There was no excuse. There was no tell me all, you know, how I got here on the side of the road. It was just, I need you. Help me see. And so over time, we, 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 we hide. I don't care where you're at. If you're in this room and you are thinking this is about everyone else, you are exactly who I'm talking to. I see people share things. And the first thing, man, I, this is going to hit our church, right? Someone shares something. The first thing out of everyone's mouth is like, yeah, those are those. I, I remember when I used to struggle with that. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Because it doesn't matter the struggle, Right? Can you, it doesn't matter if it's pornography, if yours is uh, gluttony, you can relate to a battle, can't you? So what happens when we hide? Well, it affects the gospel we preach to the world. Hide it. Because no one believes us. They don't believe we're perfect. You want to know why they call us hypocrites? It is not because we fail, it's because we pretend we don't. We pretend we don't have any issues. Listen, the only difference between me and some dudes that I know that are terrible people is Jesus. Because at the end of the day, when the standard is his perfection, it doesn't matter if my shoes are clean, if the rest of me is filthy. This gospel we preach, we buy into the lie that the masquerade is more appealing than the ugly truth. Listen to me, remnant. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to them. Who's the them? Whoever you think I'm talking to every week because you think you get it. I'm talking to you. My job is you. You want to know why you're sad? You want to know, not every, even that, I've got to tell you that, yes, sometimes we have to take medication. Yes, sometimes you have to make, not every time. Some of your anxiety and your depression and your misery is caused by the fact that you can't admit your need. Because you'd rather pretend. Why won't people be my friends? Why won't people come close to me? Why won't people, why won't people be in community with me? Because they don't want to play the game. And so you surround yourselves with people that play the same game as you, where you all tell each other you're awesome, and then you go to bed at night crying because you know the truth. You know the ugly truth. This thing we've created, we've created a new temple, people. Not of stone and wood, but of religion, of rules, of games, and of bureaucracy. This temple comes with its own new pharisaical priesthood. Show me your tassels. Show me all the good you've done this week. There's a place for to, to celebrate. 
I'm not even talking about confession to the world right now. I'm talking about to God. I do get angry. Right? It seems that way, but it's not anger. I had this talk the other day, yesterday. You know? And I cried. I was talking about it. started like this, and then I cried. And you cannot believe me. I don't care. I'm tired of proving it to, to many of you. Okay? If I'm too hard, I mean, if I say I cry, what a, that's a, what a softy. Yeah, I, I cry. Why? Is it because your sin angers me? No, it's because of what we've created. It's because people fall into adulterous relationships because they're too ashamed to say they're drawn to someone at work, to the woman at the gas station. We end up addicted to drugs because we can't tell people the first time we did it. We're miserable and we can't tell people how much, you know, we're an alcoholic. Why? Because we can't tell someone we drank. Why? Well, I'm on the steering team. I lead the connection team. Terrible marriages because what? Matthew 18 doesn't apply to marriage. I cry because what are we telling the world? Come to Jesus. He'll take you as you are. And then you better keep it all together. You better not have another mistake or I'm going to publicly kick you out of church, right? I had a guy tell me one time, why can't you just come and talk about the fact that, you know, your marriage is struggling? Why don't you like to tell me? Because, well, if I do that, you won't let me serve. What? Who told you? You, can, you know what's funny? Everybody's going, oh, you contribute to that culture. When the first thing out of your mouth when someone confesses sin is what kind of church discipline do we need to do? You have missed it. We would rather be Pharisees than blind men in need of healing. And don't you dare, once you're healed, don't you dare stumble again. Stay with me. Because there's good news. The ugly truth is we still stumble and we struggle. The ugly truth is, is that God knew that when he saved you. Did you know that? That when he met you along the side of the road, whether you were 10 or whether you were 60, the day he met you on the side of the road and invited you to G, do you know that he knew that you were still going to do that mess up? You were going to screw up that time you did that you're thinking about right now? That thing that's causing you shame, did you know he knew that when he saved you? Did you think he didn't see it? You know, the world's going to tell you that because you did that, you must not have really been following him, right? You must not really love him because if you really loved him, you wouldn't have done X, Y, Z. And even if you're not, we all live under that weight. Don't you want to scream? Todd, are you angry? Aren't you? Aren't you tired of living in that? In that world where like you're, you, people cry because they can't tell people what they've done because not only will they, they don't, get, they don't experience freedom and, and, and love and forgiveness, they what? Shame. Patronizing like, oh, we'll help you. But first, you're kicked out of all life groups and small groups and ministries. And once you've proven you're holy again, you can return. That's the one side. And then what? We wonder why they don't come back? Why people leave? Why people can say, I hate the church but love Jesus? If you get angry when you hear that instead of going, man, we got to be better. So there's two things here. I better clear this up, Jill, because people are going to get confused. One, I care for you. That just because the blind man got healed, it didn't mean they never stubbed their toe again. Okay? It didn't mean that they didn't sin again. It didn't mean they didn't make mistakes. And no, no, guys, listen, that doesn't mean that I love sin. It means I accept reality. 
Because if the Apostle Paul, all right, who could heal, okay, who could preach, who perform miracles, confess to the world that I do what I don't want to do and don't do what I want to do and I see this work within me. If I do what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. But my flesh, if anybody's told you that that's supposed to stop, that there isn't a battle, that, that, that we don't say it to justify our sins, but to draw us and push us to the throne of Christ over and over and over again. Why? Because we need forgiveness, because we need to be saved over and over and over for us. So you don't have to live in that shame, the condemnation. Because in the darkness of the closet you're hiding in, the whispers of the enemy get much louder. I'm going to have some verses here, and I want you to think about it. We'll, we'll tie it together, right? Hebrews chapter 4, 15 through 16. Hey, can you guys do me a favor? Can you pretend this is written to you and not to, oh, right? That's like, I don't know. That's the way we view it. That's like this whole, I, I, you are holy, but listen, this is you. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. There are people in this room, you, you will go and pray here. I don't care if you get offended and think I'm talking to you. You will pray by yourself, but you will never pray with another person, and you think that's enough humility. Yeah, you're better than the person that walks up here, but if you have never went to someone and said, I'm struggling, I'm doing this or I'm doing that, you are sliding into Pharisaical, right? Because nobody can talk to you except the, the God himself. We have a high priest. Guys, listen, we don't have to hide our sin. Why? Because Jesus understands the battle. He understands it. Now, he was without sin, right? We tend to cling to, well, I need to be that. Like, it's, if I don't pretend to be that, then I'm in trouble. No. We do not have a high priest that will sympathize with our weaknesses. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we receive mercy and find grace to us at the proper time. There is no shame before Christ. I'll say it again. There can't be. Okay, so we're going to come before we get to talking to other people and all that. I know. Stay with me. I think you'll get the main point. But I want to start with this by saying you don't have to hide from him. You can go to him over and over and over again. You know, there are times when I make the same mistake. You know, when I'm done here, tell me if you relate to this. You ever make the same mistake so many times that you find yourself praying about the same thing over and over that you get that voice that says, don't even pray about it. You know you don't mean it. You ever had that? Every time I do that, I make myself sit, pray again. Because God, you think Jesus would say, don't come to the throne of grace. You've already, you've already talked about this. The very act of the humility of coming to the throne of grace boldly and asking, Lord, forgive me. Help me. He will never turn his back on that. How many stories do I need to tell you? That's why today's message is a little different because I would have needed a hundred verses. Should I tell you about Peter? Get behind me, Satan, right? That's the last time he sinned. Nope, oh, now um, he denies Christ. Oh, that's the last time. No, the Apostle Paul has to come to Peter and challenge him because he was what? Sliding into hypocrisy. Well, that must have meant Peter's not very good. No, he's called the rock of the church. If from that, what I'm saying, you're taking the, me the, the message that Todd is saying sin is good, and I have to say this because I hear it all the time. You are, I gotta, how do I love you? How do I say this in a holy, edifying, sanctifying way? You are silly. You're silly. 
Because that is clearly not what I'm saying. Some of you in here are in so, you, you've bought into that lie that you have, to, you have to fake it even to God, right? Because it's hard. It's hard to separate it. If you fake it with people long enough, then you feel like before you know it, you're faking it with God. You're hiding. You don't have to. He sees it anyway. Don't let anybody tell you you're too far gone. Don't let anybody tell you because you're wrestling with the same thing over and over again that that must mean right now that, you know, he doesn't want you or you're not his. Don't let them tell you that because maybe you've committed the big sin. What is that? I don't know. The one that you think it is that it's too late. Sin has consequences at times, but that consequence should never be you being afraid to go to God. neither height nor depth, right? No powers, no principalities. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. There's the one side of it. Do you believe that? You say you do. We'll start with God, right? Can you even go to God? Can you go to God and say that you're an unsubmissive wife? Those of you that do. Can you go to God and say that you're a cruel husband? Can you say the words, I'm a cruel husband to God? How about those in the room that come to church, you don't really believe. Can you even have the, do you even have the audacity <laughs> to go to God and say to him, I don't believe in you. Show yourself to me. You ever wondered why you're afraid to do that? Because he just might. And then you have to face the fact that the way you're living your life This religion we've created that tells us we have to hide. It's ugly. You know, anytime someone tells you, hey, you've went too far. Hey, you've been up there. To, you know, you've been dealing with this all the way. Why don't you tell them Hebrews 4 says, I can go to the throne with boldness. What kind of person can walk into the throne room bold and air? Right? That's my father. You know, I hope you guys, you know, I... In order for me to get to the place where I don't question this part anymore, like that, that I'm his, because I question a lot of other things, like whether I deserve that, and I don't. But one of the things, and I, and I say this, and I hope, I hope you get this now, because when those times come, it'll be easier. I had to realize that the world, is gonna, the world told me that he, I wasn't his anymore. The world called me Saul. The world called me a false prophet. The world to told me all of these things. Why? Because I sinned and repented, and they didn't like that. That wasn't enough. In those moments when you sit in the dark and begin to believe, right? For me, that's when the voices came. You might as well kill yourself. Nobody, you're, you're alone. God's not with you either. In those moments, you come to find out whether or not do I really believe what he said, not what they say hear me? Your faith has to be based on him. We are so imperfect that even when we try to be real, we're fake. <laughs> Sometimes when we, you know, people are going to tell you wrong things and there are wolves among the sheep. They're not the ones that are confessing sin usually. Now the other side of it's here, James, and this is some of you in the room, okay? Stay with me. I'll bring it all together, Chris. You're going to love it. You're not even going to believe it. James 4, 7 through 10. He didn't do anything wrong. I just like him. James 4, 7 through 10. Therefore, so even the fact that I have to say that proves the weird culture we have. That if I say someone's name, they've done something wrong. Isn't that odd? 
Sometimes they do. <laughs> therefore, James 4, 17, therefore submit to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Oh, that's bad. Here's the good part. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. That first part is ugly. But he's talking to the non-believers. Right? No. They wrote the letters. Oof, that'll get you. When you start going, man, that's talking about the world, those double-minded people. No. They're not double-minded. They're singular-minded. We sin. We don't care. You can only be double-minded if you're trying to live in two worlds. Therefore, submit to God, but resist the devil and flee from you. Submit to God. Okay, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's beautiful. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts. How can you do that? How can you have your hands clean if you can't admit they're dirty? Be miserable and mourn and weep. Oh, that's not the Christian I hear. You need to accept my hands are dirty. I'm blind. Jesus, please. When you stop making it a game, your laughter must change in the morning. When you stop thinking it doesn't matter, when you stop hiding and playing the game, and then you humble yourselves before the Lord, then, then he exalts you, picks you up, cleans you off. What do you want from me? Why do I push so hard? People that are close to me. You know, I've been told you're mean to people close to you. Well, I probably am sometimes, but it's partially because, like, I, I, I it's not to, like, it's that idea I've said before of, hey, you've got a, uh, you got a knife in your leg. No, I don't. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're literally bleeding. You're bleeding profusely down your leg. No, I'm not. I'm looking at it. It's sticking out of your leg. I'd really like to help you get to the hospital. We got to clean that. I'm fine. You're pale. You're passing out. I'm good. You have to let go of it. Let go of what? Your false image. Your fake, religious, idolatrous, pharisaical tassels. Not to glorify sin, but to accept who you are. A big yawner. Right? <laughs> Jesus still loves you, man. <laughs> Let's go on. Stay with me. John, Gospel John chapter 8, 34 through 36. Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Why submit yourself to a yoke of slavery? When you choose to hide when you choose to say, I'll just hold it, God doesn't want me. When you hold on to it, you become a slave to it. It doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes it's just admitting, I'm, my faith is weak right now. My faith is dead. I know somebody in this room has that. It doesn't feel alive. And you can't say that because, why? Well, you have an image to keep up, right? What are we telling people? Do we actually believe they think we go into the phone booth like Clark Kent and come out like Superman and that's real? Like, they, no, they just look at us and go, why do you got that paper S on your chest? It's clearly still you, Todd. You look ridiculous. Why do I say all this? What's the connection here? You can look all over the place. The connection is, if you're a son or a daughter, 
you're not a slave. Slaves live in fear. Heirs live in confidence because they know that even if I mess up, I'm not going to stop being the son or the daughter, right? Everybody loves this message until you realize you got to apply it. I don't have, an, I don't have a, a list for you today. Here's the ugly truth. Christians, your sin, the sin you committed today, the addiction you hide, it still nailed him to the cross. It still matters. You were an enemy of God. You deserved it, not him. Oh, I'm not a pretty good person. No, you're not. If you're a pretty good person, you wouldn't struggle with confidence. You wouldn't struggle with your identity. You wouldn't struggle with trying to prove that you're a good person. If you were really a good person, you wouldn't think that. Good, right? When Jesus walked in to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, when the king came, the king came to die so his children could live. And it doesn't stop. He knew that when he met you on the side of the road. He knew that he wasn't dying on the cross just for that moment. He wasn't dying on the cross just for the moment you came to him that day you accepted him. He knew that this was a long-term relationship. That you are free. You don't have to live in shame and fear and bondage. You don't have to hide. I'm not telling you you should go out and tell the whole world your mistakes. There's right, shrewd as serpents, right? Innocent as doves, there's truth to that. But my goodness, if you don't have to fake it either, though. You know, there's, there's two groups. There's people in this room that I just hurt for you because you've been told by this Pharisaical priesthood we've created in Christianity, this culture of it's about me and I did it. You've been told that you've got to measure up, and if you don't measure up, you're out. He did the measuring, he met the standard. It's over, it's finished. You can approach the throne with, of grace with boldness. How many times? How many times does it take? And when you let yourself accept the fact that you, the bad wife, that you, the mean husband, that you, the bullheaded uh, person that doesn't serve because you don't have to, the bullheaded, all the things that you do, right, that he still loves you. And the reason that you're still living in this cycle is because you won't come to him and say, help me. Because to admit you need help is to admit you're not Christ. He is. That's deep. The ugly truth is we don't stop needing him. The ugly truth is we still make mistakes. The ugly truth is Christian sins. The ugly truth is we create ugly cultures. The ugly truth is, is that we, you know, we're prideful. The ugly truth is that we lie. The ugly truth is all those things. But the beautiful part is that he still says, come here, follow me. Over and over and over. And that he will heal you if you ask him. I believe that. And then there's the others in the room. That even as I say this, you wrestle. You don't want to let go of your pharisaical tassels because they make you look good. That you hold on with pride. You would rather, right, like C.S. Lewis says, instead of saying to God, that will be done, I'll do this. He has to say to you, okay, thy will be done. You can live in suffering, my child, because you don't want to admit you need help. We choose it. Isn't that odd? God loves you so much. 
we admit our sins and he, he exalts us. He, he cleanses us. Right? And that's deep. I mean, we, we have to be cleansed of our sin. But remember, most of the Bible's New Testament's written to, to believers, right? And then we know, you know, like a kid, your kid was going to fall in mud and you clean them up. It doesn't mean they're not kids. You don't ha- they don't have to ask over and over to be the kid, but they do have to ask to be clean, right? Help me. It's not a hell issue anymore once you put your faith in Christ. It's a misery issue. Imagine a world in the church where, no, we don't glorify sin, but we admit it. When someone falls or someone stumbles, that our primary focus is how to help them stand back up and follow again, not make them stand there until we can prove they're one of us. Because if that's the case, we're all out. If you hold on to your sin, you're a slave to it. You have to let it go. And if you're in this room today, it doesn't matter your shame, your condemnation, doesn't matter what you've done, right? In the sense of what I'm about to say, it matters. But if the sun sets you free, you are always free. Man, aren't you tired of it? That's why I get irritated in these sermons, man. I bet if I was up here talking about hellfire and abominations, you'd be like, Amen! Right? I'm serious. Because we love that because it proves that someone's worse than us. Which makes us feel better, right? (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. Let's just play some music and I'm going to leave you with this as you think about Palm Sunday. What Jesus did on the cross. We'll talk about it next week. But I'm going to ask you a few questions. Are you hiding from the truth? Are you? Do you even let yourself admit your needs, your failings? Do you? How does it make you, is it working to keep saying it to to find someone worse than you? Is that helping your shame? Is it helping your condemnation? How's your religion doing? Is your marriage changing? Are you changing? Is your addiction stopping? Is your anxiety lowering? All the way from sin issues to, to anxiety to struggles. But you can't have anxiety. You can't have doubts, right? Because you're a pastor or you're a leader or you're this or you're that. You think you're supposed to have it all together now that you're a Christian? That once he made you see, boy, you better march. And you're not allowed to ask for anything anymore. Do you want to be free? Do you want to live in real freedom? Now here's the thing. When you live free, are there still going to be people that try to put you in chains? Absolutely. That's why you got to know what he said. What kind of gospel do you want your life to show to your coworkers, to your friends, to your family, to your kids? Do they see you admit mistakes? Do they? Do they, or do they see you talk the talk, but eh, the walk the walk and grace and stuff that doesn't really matter. And so we wonder why they live in constant fear, why they're why kids that you know in the church want to run away, why they're drowning under the weight of it, a weight of what? Their self righteousness because they can't do it all the time. Do they get shown grace as much as they do truth?
Do you really understand the truth of the gospel that starts ugly? It starts with the fact that it's a really ugly situation. But that ugliness is what really shows the beauty, beauty of what Jesus did for us. What makes this week holy is the fact that a holy God marched directly into the pit, right? For lack of a better word, right in the midst of our muck and died for the unholy to make us holy. I want a Christianity that's real. And I probably care too much about what people think too. It's hard not to. You just want people to, right? You want it to work. Hey, and and, and in case I need to say it, I'm a big time sinner still. I make mistakes every day. Did today. I will today. What would it be like to have a church where people pursued God to such an extent that they would want to admit their failings because they don't want to live in bondage? Not, not a hyper-focus on a treadmill of performance, but just an admission of those moments, those things that we wrestle with that the Holy Spirit's telling us, get rid of this. But you don't. Why? Because, well, that would be embarrassing. They'll kick me out, whatever else it is. What would it be like to know that I can just breathe? That it's not a weight to be carried, right? It's a truth to be celebrated. I don't talk about, you know, my mistakes because I think they're awesome. I don't think it makes me a more real person to you. Sometimes I admit and I act the way I act because I want you to see that like it, I don't you don't have to play a part. You just have to follow him. And when you need him, you ask. And when the burden gets too heavy, you ask your brothers and sisters right, to help carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Pretty hard to help you carry your burden if you can't ever admit you need it. And it's not just about us not doing it. We do. We need to set culture, a culture that sets that. But also, do you ever challenge it? Do you challenge the religious, pharisaical thing, the ugliness of it? The thing that makes this beautiful truth that we're free something ugly, do you challenge it? Do I? You're free. Your past can't hold you. Your present can't trap you. Your future shouldn't scare you. respond today however you want to respond but I'll tell you this friends you know weeks ago I wasn't here uh, AJ I don't even know what he said but I heard there was a big response that's pretty awesome and I'm not telling you, you got to go to the altar every week man sometimes it's just a time to praise him right isn't it cool that he I mean he can nitpick us every day couldn't he he doesn't but I'll tell you this that thing right now that thing that's in your mind that you would if I found out about you would run out of here, that thing, that shame you hide and hold is the thing you should bring to him today. What if people see me? I care about if he sees you. 
I don't know what it is, man. Some of you are so angry. That might be it. God is real. God answers prayer. God moves. God frees people still. Do you understand that? And if you don't believe that, and I say this with the utmost respect, get out of here. Go play a different game that's easier to play. But if this is real, if this matters, if, if, he, if this week, if we celebrate something that is real, let me ask you this. Why would you go one more day carrying that weight you're carrying when today in the next five minutes you can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive you can be exalted today that you can let it go I'm not going to tell you God's going to tell you to go to the people sometimes he does you know why he does that for us for our pride sometimes it's just to come up here well Todd why do I have to do that religion ask yourself what would actually stop you from coming to God that ain't God friends don't be a slave not a single minute more live free but to live free you got to admit the ugly truth the ugly truth that hides the beautiful truth you see that's the thing the ugly truth for a Christian isn't really true anymore right? we just have to be reminded who we are who you are in him He's alive today. He's in this room. That's what it says. Two or three are gathered in my name. There I am also. Well, I don't see him. You don't see gravity either, but you believe that. Whether you're sinning, whether you're ashamed, whether you're hurting, whether you're broken, are you willing to cry out from the side of the road, Jesus, help me? Or does your coolness matter more than your freedom? Maybe you're one of the people that's created the Pharisees. Maybe it's time to drop your tassels at the altar. There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you. This place is free for you to pray. Stop worrying about what looks stupid. Stop worrying about what looks weird and do what God's telling you to do. Be free. Let's live in freedom. Show the world the beautiful truth. If you're in the room today and don't know Jesus, here's the facts messed up, you sinned, you know it and I know it he made everything beautiful and perfect and we just had to follow him and you didn't want to follow him and so because of that you're having to live with the consequences of a life on your own now you can ignore me today, hey that's okay you can say it's not true and I've used this analogy before and it's true but that's okay and I can go on top of a bridge and jump off and say I'm going to fly but eventually the moment will come when I'm going to hit that water and the truth becomes very clear whether it's today or the day you die you will acknowledge Christ do it now be free you just have to confess the ugly truth that you need him whatever you do don't leave the same as you came in today because if you do are choosing to, you are free, not a slave.